All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of James in chapter number four. A, a fairly familiar passage of scripture. Um, one of the passage, one of the one of the verses is um, you kind of wonder why it's where it's at, but we'll get there. But James chapter number four, and remember, um, we're talking about the proof of faith in James chapter number four is the proof of living godly. So I do, I do want to tell you that I think I found my favorite author. It's an author by the name of Mitch Album. On New Year's Day, I read his book called Have a Little Faith. And in that book, uh, his rabbi, he, his rabbi asked him to give his eulogy. And so the book is about him and his rabbi and living the last eight years of his rabbi's life. But anyway, in that book, his rabbi makes this statement about traditional Jewish teaching. He says, that's right, which is why our sages tell us to repent exactly one day before we die. And of course, Album responds to him, but how do you know it's the day before you die? And the rabbi responds, exactly. What the rabbi is saying is, we can never presume upon tomorrow. So don't wait till tomorrow to repent. Make sure you're repenting today. I'm reading a book right now called, um, uh, it's about Jonathan Edwards' 70 resolutions on life. It's the 70 things that he said is going to help him live his life. And resolution number seven says that, I'm resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. So what's he saying? Never presume that you have tomorrow to ask for forgiveness or to confess your sins. Never presume that tomorrow is a certainty. Live knowing that, account must, that an account must be given for your life. And so, so those thoughts are what I've been reading recently. And as I come to James chapter number four, and we get to verse number 13, it says, Go to now, you that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. You see, this, this thought that we talked about, whether it was Mitch Album or, or Jonathan Edwards, that this thought of presuming about tomorrow... Um, we should never presume about tomorrow. That's the thought that James is conveying to his readers. If they're going to live godly and their living godly is a proof of their godliness, they must do it today. They can't wait until tomorrow. And so we read that there in James chapter number four, verse number 13. And I think that's a passage of scripture that um, most of us have heard and are aware of. You know, he goes on and says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But know ye, but know you, but now ye rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. And so James is teaching them here about living godly, but he, the point is he's saying you need to live godly today. And so he, he's given, this, given them this example about assuming that tomorrow will come. 
Now, of all people that should not presume about tomorrow, it should be this group. Remember that James is writing to the scattered Christians all over the Roman Empire. And why are they scattered? They're scattered because they have been persecuted. They're running because they're afraid they're going to die. Of all people, these scattered saints should understand the frailty of life. And as I was preparing this message this week, I thought about how appropriate it is that we're reading this at the first of a year. Because what a better thought for us to keep in mind that we shouldn't presume that tomorrow is going to come. We shouldn't presume that we're going to make it to December the 31st, 2024. We shouldn't live like we've got another 25 years to live. We should live as if today might be our last. We can't presume that we'll live a year. So so what are the presumptions that um, James has warned them about? Number one, he warns them against presuming that tomorrow will come. You go to now, you today or tomorrow, we will go in such and such a city. So he's saying, listen, you shouldn't live your life thinking that the day after tomorrow is going to be here. You should live every day like it's your last. You should presume, they are presuming upon the fact that they are going to go to a city. Um, they're going to go to a new city. So they're, they're not saying now if we can or if God wills, we'll go to such and such a city. They're just saying we're going to go to this city and we're going to buy and sell and, and all that. So they're presuming that they'll make it to that city. They're, they're presuming that they're going to continue there for a year. So they are thinking about a year down the road. And it's like we know it's a certainty that we're going to be there. And they're presuming upon the fact that they're going to buy and sell and we're going to get gains. So they're thinking that their investment in time in a new city is going to be profitable to them. All of those things are presumptuous. And so James is warning them about, them about that. But knowing that chapter number four is about living godly, how does presuming upon buying and selling in another city How does that hinder them living godly? And so it hinders them living godly because when you presume, you're not relying upon the Lord. You're not saying if the Lord wills. You're not saying if God blesses. You're just assuming it's going to be that way. You're just assuming you're going to live. You're just assuming that it's going to be profitable. And so you're not relying upon the Lord in this case. And James is warning them about that. Another way it would hinder godliness is because it would sanction loose living. There's no reluctance to walk in the flesh. In other words, we're going to live for a year There'll be plenty of time to ask for forgiveness. There'll be plenty of time to confess my sins. I don't really have to worry about my life and what I'm living today because down the road, I'll ask for forgiveness. I mean, we've all run into people that says, you know, later on in life, I'll ask for forgiveness of my sins. And we think about that to someone that's lost and we say, you know, that's foolish because no man's promised tomorrow. But neither should we as Christians presume that we have plenty of time 
to ask for forgiveness or to live holy later on in life. We, we should understand that today's the day. Today's the day that we should be living godly. And because there's no reluctance to walk in the flesh, there'll be plenty of time to uh, make things right with God because of that, then self-discipline is not seen as needful. In other words, why do I need to practice self-discipline? I can do that tomorrow or I can do that later on in life. I don't have to worry about that today. And so that's why presuming hinders godliness is because there's no, uh, there's no intensity. There's no, uh, there's no pressing need. And so there's not like there's something you have to work on. It's, it's sort of like me and my diet, you know. Whenever I was able to say, you know, if I eat this, I might die. It was really easy, a lot easier not to eat things. But now that I know that I, I don't no longer have, I don't have cirrhosis. My fatty liver disease is, is lessened and, and all of that. It's like, you know, there's no pressure there anymore to control what I'm eating. Because the only way to control that that fatty liver disease that I had was to control what you put in your mouth. That's the whole secret. And so uh, now that I don't have that pressure, you know, there's no pressure. So I can eat a candy bar or I can eat a vanilla wafer or I can eat a uh, little Debbie Christmas tree dip or whatever it is, you know, I'm just telling you what I have at the house right now that I'm not thinking about it or anything. I just have it at the house right now. Um, but anyway, you know, it's not as easy to be self-disciplined if there's no pressing issue. And so that's what James is saying here. James is saying the reason this hinders your godliness is that if you're presuming upon in, in the next year, there's no pressure for you to live today in a way that is God-honoring. And so James is trying to warn them about that. And so he uses an example Verse number 14, he, he warns them about the, the brevity of life and he uses a very simple illustration that your life is like a, like a vapor. It, it here for a little time and then vanishes away. And, and you know, you think about that and in the morning you might see the fog laying on the ground or, you know, at, at, when I was growing up, it used to be when the, the smoke was in the hills, it was one of two things. Either the groundhogs were making coffee or you would say, oh, we know Aunt Maddie is at home for we can see the blue smoke coming out of her chimney. And that was the smoke, you know, that the fog in the hills. And you know that fog that's in the hills in the morning, in the afternoon, it's going to burn away, right? And so we got the idea. We know what he's talking about when he says your life is like a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it vanishes away. He's talking about the vanity, the, 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 uh, the brevity of life. And so, you know, the thing about an illustration here is that um, it's a very simple illustration. It's an illustration that's easily be understood and, and you don't really have to explain uh, the application. It, 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 it's, it's very apparent. And by the way, that's the way illustrations ought to be. If you have to explain an illustration, then you've used the wrong illustration. You have to speak about something that people know. But the fact of the matter is, even though we know what James is saying in James 4, 14, do we really live like that? Do we really live our lives like our life is but a vapor? 
It's here but a time and then vanishes away. Do we really live our lives like our lives are brief and that they could vanish away in an instant? I would say probably the most of us don't live our lives that way. Most of us don't want to think about the end of our lives. And if you start thinking about preparing for the end of your life, people say, well, what are you preparing for that for now? That's, you're too young to be thinking like that, you know, or whatever. <clears throat> so most of us probably don't live our lives like they're brief, like they're just a vapor, like they're, they could disappear at any moment. But that's the mindset James is trying to develop in these scattered Christians is for them to keep in their minds the thought that their life is going to vanish quickly. And so, so what does he tell them to do? Since they're presuming upon a year to buy and sell and get gain, and he's telling them, oh, be careful, don't do that, you know, understand your life is but a vapor. What does he tell them? How should they live? Verse 15. For that you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So, so again, we presume upon life. None of us really think that our life is going to end. I mean, if I really took a poll right now, how many of you really believe that your life is going to end tomorrow? None of us would raise our hand. And if I ask you, how many of you live today like today was your last day upon the earth? None of us would raise our hands, right? We don't really think our life is going to end any moment, we really take life for granted. And we rarely think, you know, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Let, let's, let's take an example of that. We mentioned uh, Sunday night as we was putting down the, the, the dates for church camp. Or we, we put down the, the dates for camp and and I'm already making plans for camp. I've been making plans for camp really since camp was over last year, but I'm really focusing on the lessons. And you know, when we put that date down, January or July the 8th or whatever it is, and when we write that in there, I mean, all of us go and all of us are kind of, yeah, we're going to camp and whatever. We really never thought and said, you know, if the Lord wills, we're going to go to camp this year. We just presume that when July rolls around that we're going to be here and that we're going to camp, right? So we really presume upon life. We, you know, vacations or birthdays or anniversaries, you know, what, whatever. How, when was the last time you thought, if the Lord wills, I'll go on vacation this year? Or if the Lord wills, you know, this or that's going to happen. We, we rarely think that way. But that's exactly the way that James is encouraging them to think. Edward says in his resolutions that I'm resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. So in other words, Edward says that I want to live every day like I wish I would have lived when I live my last day, you know, as you come to the point of death, whether it be the death of a loved one or you, you or your own life, you'll say, you know, I wish I would have done whatever with my life. What what it's saying, what Edwards is saying is, I don't, I don't want to come to that point. 
I want to live every day like it's my last. You know, live so as not to live, leave anything undone. That's what James is saying. And we need to think about that godwardly. If we're going to live godly, we, we ought to live our lives in such a way every day that when we've come to the end of our lives, whenever that is, we can look back on our lives and say, I did the best I could to live for the Lord and I used my life for his honor and his glory. I didn't waste my life. I used the talents he gave me. I used the life he gave me. I gave everything the Lord gave me. I used it for his glory. And so therefore I know that I will uh, be rewarded because I've done what God wanted me to do. And that's what James is encouraging them how to, how to have a proper view of the future is to think if the Lord wills, but, but I'm going to do it in such a way that um, I'm going to do it to bring glory and honor to God. And so we all need to ask ourselves, you know, somebody says, you know, at the end of your life, you'll, you'll not care, you know, what size of bank account you had, or you'll not care whether you did this or that or, or whatever. The things that really matters are the things that's going to last. And we need to think about the way that we are utilizing our life and spending our time and thinking about are we spending our time on things that in the end are going to be worth nothing or are we dedicating ourselves to things that have eternal value? And are we spending our time on things that have real value? And so James is telling them, I mean, look at, look at verse 16. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. So living without consideration for the Lord's will is evil. Living, presuming upon tomorrow or the next year is evil. Now, we probably don't think of it that way. You know, we're just, we're just living life. And yeah, we're going to, you know, think about those people. I got a job as a shoe salesman and I'm going to go, instead of selling in Sagersville, you know, I'm going to go to a bigger city and I'm going to sell my shoes in a big city where I can go to the city and I can be profitable and I'm going to make a profit and in a year I'm going to come back and and most people would say, you know, that's good planning and, and that's a good use of your time and, and you know, you're going to make money if you go and you do that. <clears throat> and so that's beneficial for you. Most people would think that's wise. But if you don't say if the Lord wills, if you're not trusting the Lord and saying, I'm doing this because I feel this is what the Lord wants me to do and I've asked the Lord for leadership and this is what he's leading me to do, so to speak, you're just kind of doing it on your own and presuming that you're going to live for that year. That not thinking about the Lord's will is evil. Now that's James' words. That's not my words. But those are powerful words. We, we don't want to think that we're doing evil, but if we don't think about what God has for us, James is saying... It's evil. Boasting about tomorrow, boasting about having another year is evil. Hmm. 
I know we don't consider the attitude of our heart to be evil, but according to this scripture, it is. It is evil because we are boasting of life. It is evil because we are assuming power over our own lives. We're not trusting the Lord for sustaining our lives. We're assuming that power ourselves. It's evil because we are usurping control over our lives and taking control of our lives from God and living our own way. And so it's evil. And that's prideful. And pride is contrary to humility. Remember what he said about humility earlier in verse number number 10. Remember the promise. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So saying I'm going to go and buy and sell in a year and come back, that's, that's evil because you're presuming upon the year and you're not trusting the Lord for that year. And so you're not being humble. And, but God says, if you'll be humble, then I will lift you up. Remember what he said about pride in verse number six. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. So we want to understand that that if we're presuming upon another year that, that is, that's, that's prideful, we need to be cautious because we're taking the place of God in our lives. So James is warning these, the, this group of, listen, be careful to, to make sure that you live every day like it's your last so that you'll live godly today. You don't presume upon tomorrow and think I can worry about that tomorrow and I can ask for repentance of my sins tomorrow and, and all of that. But, but you'll live godly today and you, and you know um, that if you live godly today and then you live godly the next day and you live godly the next day, then in 365 days you will have lived godly for a year because you've lived every day godly. And so James is trying to keep that in their minds because he doesn't want them to presume upon the year and he doesn't want them to presume upon uh, the ease of forgiveness and confession. And he reminds them in verse 17, and I, I, I purposefully didn't read this verse because this is a verse, a passage of scripture that I've used often. You've probably heard me use this passage of scripture for, before. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And that's a passage of scripture that's not difficult for us to comprehend. We can, we can all understand that verse, right? If you know to do good and you don't do it, that's sin. I always mention this is where you have the sin of omission. There are sins of commission like adultery. That's a sin of commission. Lying, that's a sin of commission because you did something that was wrong. But here it's the sin of omission. You should do something and you don't. The sin of omitted. You omitted that good deed out of your life. And if you know that you ought to do good and you don't do it, that is sin. And so I left that here because, um, and I wanted to mention that because why is this verse here? How does that fit into this text of scripture? By the way, that's always one of the questions you have to answer. This comes up often. You have, you have a passage of scripture and you often have to ask yourself, not what does that verse of Scripture mean, because it's, 
It's very easy to, to figure out what that verse means, but why does it fit here? Why did the author say it at this time? How does it fit into the overall uh, thought of what the author is saying? How does it fit into the overall thought of the scripture? You can't leave that, either, that out either. Every verse of scripture has to fit in the entire uh, the entirety of scripture. You can't have one verse that disagrees with all the other verses in the Bible. It has to agree. It has to fit. So we ask ourselves this question, why does James, why is that verse here? Well, what the, the illustration that he made earlier, they're going to say we're going to go and buy and sell in a year and get gain. They're, they're presuming upon a year. They're presuming upon their life. And so it, it appears that James is saying, he's referencing those who are going to go to the city and buy and sell. And it seems like the thought that he's making is when you presume upon a year that you're going to go and buy and sell and get gain, that what you're doing is you're leaving off the doing of good deeds. In other words, you're so focused on your career, you're so focused on going and buying and selling and getting gain that you're forgetting about the good deeds that you're supposed to be doing. And he's saying that when you focus on life and presume upon life so much that you forget to do good deeds, that's sin. When you focus on the things of the world so much that you leave off doing good deeds, that's sin. Maybe their thought process is, oh, I'll serve God, you know, next year. Or I'll serve God when I retire. Or I'll serve God some other time. Today's not the day. There'll be plenty of time for me to do good in my life. These people can do good when they return from buying and selling. James is saying, if you know to do good today and you don't do it, to you it's sin. You know, we need to understand. We, we know this passage of Scripture. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We all know that passage of Scripture, and we will share that, people with, that Scripture with people. Listen, you don't have tomorrow to think about salvation. You can't think about salvation when you get older. Now is the accepted time. And we will use that passage of Scripture with people, right? Well, we need to think of that passage of Scripture when it comes to doing good deeds. Now is the accepted time to do good deeds. Today is the day to do good deeds. We cannot presume upon tomorrow or the next year to serve God. Now is our appointed time. And so James is saying, if you're going to live godly, now's the time to live godly. So if refraining from doing good is sin... I want you to think about that. If refraining from doing good is sin, what's that say about doing good? That says that doing good must be righteousness. If not doing good is sin, then doing good is righteousness. And so think about that. Think about using your life doing righteousness, doing things that are pleasing to God. Doing things that will gain rewards. 
doing things that are well-pleasing to God. There are a ton of ways that you can do good. If you give a cup of a cold water in the name of an apostle, you'll not lose your reward. There's so many good deeds you can do. Doing good deeds is giving righteousness to you. So, so just think about that. So when it comes to living godly, and James is concluding this thought, he's kind of encouraging them to, today's the day to live righteousness. So today's the day. Edwards, if you read his 70 resolutions, he was resolved to live for the glory of God every day to live his life in such a way that was to be to the best, to the glory of God. You know, that should be our resolution for our life too. We should always live in a way that God is glorified. And the way that we can do that is by doing good, not presuming upon tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, but today doing that which is good. And when you do good, they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, the opportunity we have to look into your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will just help us as we study your word. We just thank you for your goodness to us. Pray your blessings upon your people. Be with those that we mentioned on a prayer list, those that are sick, hospitals and all that. We pray for them tonight, Lord, but we're thankful that you love us and you care for us. But most importantly, we thank you for Jesus, who is worthy of our lives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.